0: Welcome to the Philo Podcast. If you're new with us, our goal is to help you become more effective as a technical artist so that your church can become more effective at achieving their mission. And we do this not only through the podcast, but through the Philo Conference, Philo Coaching, and our digital and print resources, which includes our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. It's good to be back with you again. If you follow us on social media, which is Instagram and Facebook at Philo Community, You might have seen a post from us recently that had a quote from our book, I Love Jesus But I Hate Christmas, and it was, quote, learn how to be excellent with what is right in front of you now, end quote. Normally, when I think of that, it has to do with gear. It's so easy to blame the gear for things not looking or sounding or feeling the way you want them to. And in reality, we need to be good stewards of the stuff that we've been given responsibility for and use the gear we've been given to the fullest. Today though, the quote was hitting me a little differently and I don't necessarily have any gear needs or things that would be better if I only blank. Okay, maybe a few more decimators and some new studio speakers. But you know, besides those things, I've been thinking about this phrase in other terms of some non-gear categories, some if only statements, like if only I had more time to accomplish that task, which, you know, for a lot of us with Christmas coming up, we could be saying that a lot. If we only had more time, we could do more stuff or do a better job. Or if I only had more time without meetings, or maybe if only the weather was nicer, if only this, if only that, and all these statements fall into the category of, you know, if things were different, then I would do better basically kind of a grass is greener situation. And let's face it, life is hard and maybe more so during this COVID season, but wishing things were different or waiting for something to change isn't really going to get you very far. And so sitting here with you today, I'm challenged to be excellent with what is right in front of me now. How can I be more excellent with my time at work, more excellent in my relationships? How about time with my family? How can I be more excellent with this Philo podcast intro recording? We all have the choice to be our best selves with any current situation, and it isn't automatic. We have to make a choice, and it requires a mindset. So what does it look like for you and your life to be more excellent with what is right in front of you? So talk about being excellent. On today's episode of the Philo Podcast, I'm joined by a repeat Philo Podcast guest, Sarah Emerson. She's currently on staff at Soul City Church here in Chicago, and she is an OG friend of Philo. I mean, we go back to the beginning. And she's always coming up with a new way to get the most out of life. And we had a great conversation. So let's jump in. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I am so grateful to be here today.
0: Yeah, we were uh, starting to catch up uh, before we hit record here and realized that the arc of your time, you're at Soul City Church, what we'll get into a little bit in a second, but the beginning of Philo, I think the first time we actually, we probably met before, but we like had a real conversation about six or seven years ago about, and I, and you yeah. were at Christ Community Church. Which That's true. Was first location of Philo. And I'm like, Hey, can I do this thing at your church? And so, yeah. The, and I was uh, like,
1: sure, I'm not going to be here very <laughs> yeah, much longer. You so didn't tell ahead. me that.
0: You didn't tell me that part, but uh yeah, no. yeah, I think you were gone before we actually did the Philo event. But no. um, yeah, so it's just interesting to hear you say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been at soul city for six years. I'm like, oh my gosh, that uh, so I, does sound right. Yeah. Cause I've been at this for about six years too. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm so glad your first one was at Christ Community. I have so many great memories and um, just wonderful friends still there and um, really enjoyed my time there. I was there for 11 years Oh wow! before coming to Soul City and now I've been at Soul City for six. So it's great to see um, just what's been happening in the church. And then what's been happening with Philo, man, it was so inspiring to be a part of it for the last few years and to see how God's grown it and is impacting so many people around the world through it. Really proud of you guys. Uh,
0: Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's hard to even remember those earlier days, but I mean, doing the, the one at Christ community, just sort of making it up and, you know, figuring out how to do it. Yeah. With a very small crew. Yeah. It was fun.
1: Hey, isn't that how everything happens though? Like anytime anyone's starting something, you're just making it up and figuring it out.
0: Right. Trying to do your best. Now I'm remembering that the, the opener, we had like a video opener that we worked on and it was so depressing. Like we, we, we ran it and then we're like, that did Mm. not work. Well, well, that's it. I mean, we nothing we could do about it now.
1: Do you have cats and dogs and in the arms of an angel with Sarah? <laughs> yeah it was was that what you guys were playing?
0: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's six years. It flies by for sure. I was thinking, uh, you know, your time at Soul City. I'm like, oh, you've been there a year or two or something like that. And <laughs> nope, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been a few. Yeah,
1: a year or two times two. You know, whatever.
0: Yeah, you were just saying you know, all the things that you're seeing God use Philo for. I was on the phone with somebody or a Zoom call yesterday, and we have a huge following in India.
1: That's amazing. I
0: was like, I'm not sure why exactly, but talking to somebody who's from India and just saying, oh, thank you for what you're doing. And it really means a lot, which is just, I think for what, you know, working in production, you don't get a whole lot of accolades or, you know, people saying great job. And so, yeah, it's nice to hear every now and then that what you're doing actually matters. I suppose it's not limited to production. People need to hear that, but.
1: No, but so often with production, you guys are so um, efficient and great at what you do. Oftentimes the times that we hear things or you hear things is when it doesn't go right, right? Right, Because everyone's so used to it going right. Yeah. Or they'll focus in on the one lighting cue that didn't, you know, get done correctly and not understand that there's 400 that, that did. Yeah. So no, I, I can imagine that that can get overwhelming for so many. And in fact, I know it does leading creatives talking to them about it over the years, yeah. but to hear that God is using you and multiplying what you guys are doing exponentially around the world. My guess is for a lot of tech people that are listening today, you have no idea the things that you have been doing for the oh. last few years that God is going to use. Like you don't know that the recording that you worked so hard on to put up on YouTube, even when you didn't know how to do YouTube before the Mm -hmm. pandemic, you don't know the one person that's going to watch that and whose lives going to be touched. So, um, to all of you out there listening, the hours and hours that you guys are putting in where you think no one's noticing, no one's, um, caring, you have no idea how the Holy Spirit is going to use that. And so I'm so excited that you're getting to hear and see the fruit of that, mm. Todd, after these years, yeah. because it really goes to show the the thousands of hours and ideas and the things that you have really vulnerably laid out there and how God's using them to impact people's lives. Mm. And the fact that you get to see the fruit of that now is really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying. I was reminded of the verse, which I can't tell you where it's from, or I can't even quote it directly, but that- Is it in the Bible? About, Can we just Bi- say, okay,
1: good. It's the Bible? It's
0: in the Bible. I'm I think, I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible and it's probably in the New Testament, uh, but it's the never grow tired of doing good. Yeah. You know, it's like you just never know the impact that it will have, but you just, you can't, because you can't rely on people telling you great job and good work and all that stuff that- you yourself need to figure out how to not grow tired of doing the good stuff.
1: Right. I actually remember when I was interviewing, Jarrett had asked about my, my thoughts on the mission and vision of Soul City. Mm-hmm. And we had some really great conversations in regards to that, um, because I was just so drawn to it and by it. And one of the things I still remember to this day, him saying was that whatever the mission or vision is, that if you're not Wholeheartedly connected to it, that you you shouldn't be a part of it. Mm. Because on the days that um, are tough, and you just want to bolt, which will happen in any vocation, if you're not connected to the mission and vision of the organization, you don't have the same stay power, right? What's what's For the sure. point? Yeah. And so, um, really connecting to that, I think that's something that's been a a key thing in in my longevity in ministry is. Gosh, when I'm connected to the mission and vision, it's easier to keep the little things. The little things,
0: for sure. Yeah, if you're not connected back to something bigger than yourself, you can only rely on what's happening today, or what's not happening today, or the disappointments that you're feeling, or the the things that are exciting, or the fun parts. Um, and those none of those things really last. They they come and go. Uh, and so right. to be connected back to something.
1: Right, it becomes more about a paycheck and a position than the possibility of making an impact on people's lives.
0: Right. And is that, I mean, we're we're maybe jumping ahead in our conversation, but I love it so much. So we're just going to keep going. Yeah, go for it. I'm curious about from your perspective, the, like how often are you all talking about those, the mission and the vision and the values at soul city? Like, okay. In an interview process, that makes sense. But then are they just kind of on a shelf somewhere and uh, they don't get talked about, or is it up to you to kind of live them out and, and not need vision cast or like, how does that, how does that work?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. No, Jeannie and Jarrett do a great job at continuing to keep that high. Um, In our um, services each week, you'll hear us say it they just say it every single week. That is so important to them and Mm -hmm. that it's got to stay in the forefront of all of our minds. And then we have staff meetings every Monday. And so we talk about that and the values. So um, our mission and vision and values are something that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we do that. Another thing that we do is every time a new staff person is hired, we go through um, our Soul City Values as a staff and we reread them and so that ha- we've been adding to our team a lot recently and so every single time that happens um we read through them again in detail and talk about what it means to us personally so i think that that's something that's kept that red hot in my heart and i really hold on to that as a leader that example of not just assuming that everybody knows it and signed off on it once. Right. Um, and then I think that we have to trickle that down to our volunteers, the the longevity of, uh, or even the getting them back right now. Right. Like, mm, yeah, right. I think that's, that's a huge conversation in churches right now too. Like, how do you regain the people that used to be so excited and now are like, eh, I'd rather go, to the golf course, or I'd rather go on a boat. Actually, I told all my volunteers a couple of weeks ago, I was like, look, I'm just going to level with you. If your friend Mm -hmm. calls on Saturday and says, Hey, can you come with me on a boat tomorrow? If you say no, you're a fool. (laughs) (laughs) But please, but but please do. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I was like, here's the deal. Everything will work out. We'll figure it out. Like, Mm -hmm. but there's moments like that where you just need to say, no, I'm sorry. I can't volunteer this time. I'm going to go on the boat. Yeah. I go, because I can't, I'm staff. I have to stay here, but <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So maybe let's back up a little bit and let everybody know kind of what you what you do, where you are, um, yeah. how you got there just a little bit. I know we've had you on the podcast before, but this would be good to have a little refresher to, yeah. as a, as kind of a framework for the rest of our conversation.
1: Oh, no, that'd be great. I have been in ministry for 20 plus some years. My heart's calling is connecting people to creativity, to each other, to their purpose and to Jesus. And so um, I've gotten to do that in multiple different ways. I, um, Todd, I think you and I first met at Willow when I was there or right, maybe we, we crossed paths I think we sort of
0: like, uh, yeah, uh, you were walking out the door and I was walking in the door. walking in. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Right. We we kind of fist bumped on the way out or (laughs) or just like gave a head head nod. nod. right? Yeah. But I had the opportunity to be at Willow Creek as the midweek producer for New Community for a few years. And that was such a life-giving experience to me. So many amazing people that I was able to meet and have the opportunity to work with and still have relationships with today. Uh, That was a great season of my life. After um, that, I had the opportunity to work at Crossroads in California with Judd Wilhite and a bunch of different people. Um, He's now in Vegas, obviously, but
0: Central, yeah,
1: yeah, at Central. And so um, I I tease him that I um, knew Judd when he had a khakis, uh, pleated khakis and a polo. And so, um, but yeah, I had the opportunity to work with him and then came out here to Illinois and worked at Christ Community Church for 11 years and um, had such an amazing opportunity to work with that team there Mm -hmm. as a creative producer and um, creative leader there. And then have been at Soul City Church for the last six years, for five and a half of those years, I was the creative director overseeing okay. communications, production, and worship and creative and built some amazing teams there. They, I'm so proud of the people that are um, running those departments and mm-hmm. getting to see them flourish and what they do and who they are as leaders is um, one of the, my greatest joys. And then in January, I transitioned to a new role at Soul City, and I am the events and engagement pastor. So I do often get asked if that means I help people get married uh, and get engaged.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, no,
1: yeah. no, that's not. I'm not running a, a Christian different kind of engagement, show, right? yeah. <laughs> a different kind of engagement. But um, I guess I could. I mean, why not? Yeah, sure. But, no, I I help people get connected. To their calling and to serving and to Soul City and um, ultimately to Jesus. So um, it's really been a pleasure to to get to explore something new again and to mm-hmm. create something new. And so I'm excited to continue to just see what God has for me in that. Um, I have a family. My t- my husband Todd and I have been married. Um, good name. He has a name Todd sure, too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, we've been married 19 years and we have a 15 year old mm-hmm. named Lincoln. And a 10-year-old named
0: Lila. Okay. Yeah. Now, you were just telling me something about your 15-year-old. Just got signed for AAA hockey team. Yeah. Which, you must yeah. be busy. Dry. Well, I, when I talked to your dad, for those of you who don't know, Stan Endicott is uh, Sarah's dad and he's like yeah i'm by your house all the time watching hockey matches you know they call them matches they're games i guess hockey games. games yeah yeah and i'm imagining you're like always going somewhere with a hockey game going on somewhere
1: there is always a practice always a game always an ice time to be at always some really really smelly hockey bags that we need to <laughs> transform <laughs> but yeah it is a joy to watch to watch him flourish in whatever thing he's doing and to see him over the last few years, he's just really taken on an ownership of wanting to get better and having a goal of doing this. And so to see him work really hard personally, and then to Mm. see other people acknowledge that hard work and, and think he's good at it. Like I'm obviously biased, (laughs) but, but to watch other people um, say that they really um, value what he brings and, um, see him excel and get to the level that he wants to has been really exciting. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's excited for the season. It starts here soon. So if anyone wants to go out and watch team Illinois, here we go.
0: (laughs) So does that mean that you're traveling to other States now to watch him? Uh, like he's competing against like Iowa, I guess, or
1: Oh, he we uh, compete against uh, everybody. Let me yeah, just say that. So the fifty so
0: states. Yeah. St.
1: Louis, we're in St. Louis, Dallas, Michigan, Pennsylvania. I don't know. I, I need. I there's an app that we actually have to like look at where we are. <laughs> of course. So I go to. I mean, obviously, working at a church, I am not able to be gone every weekend, but um, I go to, I told my husband that I'm, I'm going to send him to like some of the smaller meets. And if they go to Canada or London or anything outside the US, I get to go. And then (laughs) he's, he, I don't know. We haven't finalized the negotiation on that, but (laughs) yeah, my daughter and I will go as much as possible, but yeah, it's obviously we can't be gone every single time, but yeah, they travel a lot.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I can't even imagine. So working uh, at a church full time, uh, everybody listening kind of knows what that means, especially in the creative realm or, you know, events and that sort of thing. It's, it can be a crazy time. And then having a family, it also can be crazy. And then it having is. somebody in travel, triple A, hockey, is like a whole nother level that I can't even imagine.
1: Hey, you know what? Our lives have been centered. I, I don't really want to say centered because I don't think it's centered around that, but our lives have included that for so long. Uh-huh. And it doesn't, it just feels like, Normal. Yeah, it's crazy, but steps, it's yeah. our crazy, right? Yeah, like, sure. We're like, we already know how to do this. And I know a lot of other people, probably people listening, you've got kids in or um, people you know in soccer or gymnastics or anything like that. But I'd say too, whenever you find, I, I think that's why it's so exciting for me is I love seeing people follow their dream mm. and and get really good at it. And yeah. so like, just this last week, I, we had a guy come to, um, his name's Alvin. Um, you, if anyone's in Chicago, you should look him up, um, and hire him. He just started the Maxwell, um, Chicago, Chicago's own Maxwell street food truck. And he had been a welder for 12 years and had a dream to own his own food truck. And last year he went full in on stopping his welding career and doing this food truck. And so like the fact that he did that, all that hard work and it just is super exciting to me. Or I know this girl, Olivia follow her guys. If you're listening guys and gals, (laughs) Olivia Curry, she's a, she's an incredible video, a video editor and producer of videos. I'd met her in Chicago and in the pandemic, she decided to become a pro boxer. (laughs) And so, and so, we actually, my husband and I took my son and his friend to go to her boxing meet in Rosemont a couple of weeks ago and she won. She's incredible. So oh, wow. I like anytime somebody is really passionate about something and is um willing to put in the work mm-hmm. and it's just exciting for me. So it's double exciting that to watch Lincoln succeed in hockey, but I love watching people succeed and helping be their big biggest cheerleader in whatever, whether it's food trucks or hockey or boxing. boxing I'm in. Right? Yeah, yeah,
0: nice. Uh, so one of the reasons that I thought it'd be great for us to talk today is kind of a little bit of what you're talking about. So you've been working at Soul City, but one of the things you've also been kind of transitioning into is coaching, coaching other people, being a life coach. And like part of what you're talking about is really uh, kind of leads us to that. What, I mean, what led you to, and maybe you've already answered this, what led you to wanting to be uh, kind of this, become a personal coach for people?
1: Yeah, I think the thing that led me to that, I think it's been like a life exploration. Like my whole life, I've had influential people who have stepped in in moments Mm -hmm. that were difficult for me. It's the the stuff that I call the messy middle, especially Mm -hmm. with creatives, right? At the beginning, it's really exciting. The end, you're like, oh, I can't believe I was able to get that done, but the messy middle is the part that feels really lonely mm-hmm. and hard and the part we want to give up in. And so throughout my life, I've had people that have stepped in coaches and mentors and really guided me through those seasons. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've noticed that the only way I've made it through oftentimes is that God has used those people to, to walk with me in those seasons. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, love doing that. Like I Mm -hmm. love leading teams. I love the creative process. I love live events, but really um, at the end of the day, for me, it goes back to the individual person. Mm -hmm. It's the Olivia, it's the Lincoln, it's the Alvin, it's, you know, Patrick, Fabi, Jeremy, Lazarus, those, those specific people and names Mm -hmm. all have a story and a calling and a purpose. And if I can interject in that and be a part of um, helping them clarify it and walk into their next season. Mm. That brings me just an, an ultimate joy. So when I started seeing that I was just naturally doing that, I'm a three on the Enneagram and anytime you give me a challenge or (laughs) if there is, is an opportunity to get better at something, I want to do that. And so in this last year I went back to um, training in school through Coach You, which I would highly mm. recommend. And then um, have been working on my certification with the ICF, which is um, the International Coaching Federation. And that's worldwide. So I've had the opportunity to be coaching people in, um, in multiple countries. And um, I have clients that are in other countries now and all over the US. And so getting to walk with people in all walks of life and all stages mm. of life, creatives, helping them identify what they're what their core values are, and what what fuels them most, and not so often we tr- we feel like we have to hide that, or we have to not really say it out loud because it says sounds too crazy or too scary. Mm-hmm. So being a safe place for people to voice, no, this is what I really want to do, and then helping them get tan- uh, really clear, and then have tangible steps to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. I-, I had someone who, um, I worked with who was like, I'm working the business world, but I want to be a farmer. And I'm like, bring it on. Let's do it. <laughs> and, and she's able to do that now. And so, yeah, there's things like that, that just sound really crazy and wacky. The wackier it is, the better. I'm like, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's figure it out. So I just love seeing people for who they were created to be. Right. I think that's a gift that God's given me as being able to, to see, those things that people can't see in themselves Mm -hmm. and then to speak into them and help believe them into that next season.
0: Sure. Now, uh, something you said that I'd love to talk about, and we've talked about it in different contexts a little bit earlier, is this idea of core values. So like maybe when we think about values, we we put it into a context of an organization or a business or something like that. But then even as an individual, how important having core values really is. And so maybe let's talk about that a little bit. is that do you find that that the people that you're talking to are in touch with maybe what their core values are, they just haven't and they haven't written them down or they just have never been thinking about them? Both Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I think if you stop and think about them, you can start to identify it. but I think oftentimes, Todd, we're blinded to the things that really drive us most because they come so easy to us. Okay we don't recognize that they're a gift. Okay. Or we don't recognize that that's what fuels us most because we just assume that everyone's like that, right? Right, yeah. So people that love adventure, they're always out going and doing things and that's what fuels them. So they just assume everyone's like that. And then the pandemic hits, they're not allowed to have adventure anymore or in the same way, they're depressed about it. And now they're wondering why, why they feel so alone and isolated. Okay. But they, they have forgotten, oh wait, the adventure part was something that really fueled me before. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not that they're, they're not aware of it at all. Um, it's that they haven't taken the time to identify it and to really use it as a tool and a framework to really filter their vocation, their relationships and their hopes and dreams through.
0: Yeah, and I think so many people that are working production in the local church or anybody working at the local church, you know, that having boundaries is one of the hardest parts about what we do. You know, just like the, it, it's relentless, the schedule. We could be at church every day, 24 seven. And so we we need to have uh, some, some idea of what life holds for us. That's beyond, you know, just working all the time. And I think if you don't know what your core values are, it's hard to set up kind of a framework for, I have hockey that matters to me. And so I need to spend some time doing that. Yeah. Otherwise, I think it's just, I'm going to speak for myself. It's just real easy to work seven days a week because people are asking me to do stuff and I'm just saying, yes, And I'm not stopping to think about what really matters to me, what's important for me beyond even how I'm wired up but like what else in my life needs to matter because it's not just just work
1: well yeah and most people that get into ministry part of the reason you get into ministry is because you like serving others right and you care about about helping so then it feels wrong at times to be like well I can't say no to that because I care about helping Mm -hmm. or that makes me selfish. Or, I mean, there could be a lot of other things, but the reality is God God created you with a myriad of gifts and desires and you have an individual fingerprint for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if you're only looking at a portion of that and you're only focusing in on a portion of that, the reason you feel segmented and isolated isn't because you are. <laughs> right. And I
0: think I think it's so easy to be living that way, a segmented life and not knowing that it could be different
1: right. And when you're in the midst of it, nobody nobody says i want to I want to live an isolated, segmented, <laughs> overworking life, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? No one right. says that. Yeah. But when you don't have that, I think that's what I love about being a coach is having the, 100,000 foot view of someone and being able to help see what they can't. Because when you're in the midst of it, I know for me, when I'm in the midst of it, and it's right in front of me, I can't see clearly that all of that stuff is happening and that I'm making those choices. And everything feels hard and everything feels like a have to. Mm-hmm. I've been in seasons where I'm like, I can't say no to that. I have to say this. Mm-hmm. And, st- and instead of having someone to go, okay, well, let's talk about that. Do you, Do you really have to? Is there going to be death or destruction if you say <laughs> no to this? Right? Yeah. And sometimes we're just not used to saying no. And so yeah. that muscle isn't very isn't very strong. And so we need, we need some help figuring that out too. But I'd say too, for those that are listening, I mean, my guess is a lot of you got into the, the vocation you're in because you're life learners Mm -hmm. and you've had to learn a lot. Um, And it hasn't been a, my guess is most of the learning that you've done over your lives has been a want to you research out all of the, the latest and greatest technical equipment that I personally won't ever understand, but I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful you (laughs) all do. But what you've, and those are get-tos, like you get to, you're, you're a tinkerer, you love to figure it out. But everything that you've been learning over the last two years, mostly has been a have-to, mm-hmm. right? It went from the enjoyment side of it to now all of the time that was spent in the enjoyment of figuring things out has been, I have to figure it out and I have to figure it out right now, because this is needed from me. And so you you take what used to be something that would bring adventure and excitement and you put it in that almost like a hamster wheel yeah. of, of doing it every day. And now you're exhausted in that. And now I have so many people going, I think I hate doing what I used to do. And now I want to jump ship and do something different. And I'm like, yeah, may- maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're just tired because what used to be fun and adventurous for you, it's now becoming a chore. So how can you start looking for those things? So that's what I love about core values is when you recognize it and then you can identify where that's sitting in your life right now, you get to shift those Mm -hmm. to bring, to bring back enjoyment, to bring back the love for what you used to do. Yeah. I, I hope, May, I hope that answers what you were asking. Yeah.
0: But. but I think with that, something you said earlier, like, you know, if somebody loves adventure, they kind of assume everybody loves adventure and they don't recognize it in themselves. And I think I'll just speak for me. I, I made lots of assumptions that people knew how crazy my life was, you know, that, that, uh, what they were asking was going to take all night or, you know, whatever the thing was. And Absolutely. so I would never speak up because, I kind of thought, well, they know what they're asking, and so I'm just going to do it uh, because it seems like that's what the expectation is. Instead of asking for help or acknowledging, like, I think this is going to take too much time, or I just never wanted to let anyone down, and so I just kind of kept my mouth shut. And I think I had several years where there was just my – I did not enjoy my life.
1: As a creative director, I learned with – many different technical directors, because my personality is, and they knew this, which became a joke, (laughs) but, but wasn't always at the beginning, but they knew that my personality was, don't tell me it can't be done because in my mind, anything can always be done. Right. That's just my personality. We'll find a way. Mm -hmm. And there's some good things and bad things to that I've learned over the years, (laughs) but As a technical director, something that was really helpful to me, and so I don't know if this will be helpful to anyone out there, but it was super helpful to me as a leader when people would tell me how much it was going to cost and how long it was going to take. Mm -hmm. So if they could come to me, not telling me that it couldn't be done, because in my mind, anything could be done. So if they said, hey, Sarah, yes, we know that you think that it can always be done. Here's how long it would take us Mm -hmm. to do it well yeah. Here's how, how much it would cost us to do it. Well, here's how long it would take and how much it would cost us to do it on a shoestring. Mm-hmm. And in that the cost, isn't just a financial cost. It's how much will it cost that person personally mm-hmm. and how much will it cost the team? And so looking at that, those things, then you can evaluate the whole, because it's, it's not worth killing the culture or killing the individual. But if you don't speak up, like you have to recognize every, like even the kindest Christian that cares for people deeply is still thinking about themselves. Right. Like my my husband, my husband always (laughs) said this to me. And at first I took it as an offensive thing. And now I've learned to (laughs) love it. But he would be like, Sarah, people are not thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's so true.
1: <laughs> and it is true. Everyone's thinking about what they have to get done. And so when you in a humbling way can recognize that and go, oh, they didn't mean anything by that. You know what? They texted me that last minute because somebody asked that of them mm-hmm. and they're feeling the pressure of doing that. Or, I mean, goodness sakes, I, the amount of decisions that the leaders over all of us have had to make and us as leaders have had to make over the last two years has been astronomical and the weight of that is really heavy. And so when we can say, hey, look, I'm gonna give, I have a sign above my my fireplace and I'd love to say it's because I just want this mantra. Really personally, I just need to be reminded of it every day. Mm. But it's grace upon grace. Yeah. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And then times that by one million. Yeah. And I need that for myself. I need to give myself that grace, but then I need to extend that to others because people if, if you can explain it to them that, that, Hey, I want to help you, but I actually can't do that this week. Mm-hmm. I can do it next week. And this is how much time it's going to take me. Most reasonable people will be like, Oh, that's fine. So
0: true. Yeah.
1: But in their text or in their email, it didn't come across as, Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Right. Don't ever assume, like if something feels funky in a text or an email, pick up the phone. Yeah. Pick up the phone and how, ha- or, or walk across the hall. So often we sure. just get frustrated. and We write stories that just don't need to be there.
0: Right, yeah. My wife says that um, we debate about the percentages, but I'll just say eighty percent of communication is nonverbal. That's something yeah. that that we talk about a lot, and so that's the problem with uh, with email and and text messages is that you you're missing. Eighty percent of the of the communication. So um, yeah, if you have a chance to walk across the hallway or pick up the phone, it's so so helpful. I think too the the whole thing about pushing back on someone's idea or just saying, "Hey, this is what it will will take." Most people have no clue. Uh, and to your point, they're thinking about themselves more than they're thinking about you. They have no clue what you're doing. They have no clue how you do it. And so, if you're going to work as a team together yeah, you're just sharing information. Like, let's make this decision together. Here's what you want to do. This is what it will take to do those things. Let's decide what do we, yeah, we want our team to work all night or no, this was just an idea. But if you never bring bring it to the table, then you have no chance to kind of collaborate on something getting done.
1: No, and I think that's what's humorous a little bit too, Todd, is so often experts um, and that's what I want to say to all of you technical artists that are listening today. You are experts. The reason you have been hired is, and I think this is the funny part, is oftentimes you can feel like they have no clue what I do. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you're right. You yeah. don't have any clue what you do. <laughs> and that's why you were hired right, is right. because you're an expert in that. And so instead of wearing that as armor, as a defense, wear yeah. it as a coat of honor. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't put on that. They have no clue what I do as a, as a defensive, I have to walk in and shield myself from them. But where does a code of honor Uh of they don't know what I do and they've hired me to be the expert. And so an expert, I mean, for goodness sakes, how many medical experts have we heard from on the the news (laughs) over the last two years? Right. An expert has to tell the rest of us that don't know what they're, what they're doing and what the best, guesses in the moment. Right. And then remember that you're not going to, even though most of you are, your personality is that you're usually right, which I understand you usually (laughs) are. There's going to be times where there's misses and there's things that you figure out along the way. Just keep the people informed of like, Hey, we thought it was going to take this long. It's actually now that we got in and we're, we're doing the work, it's going to take, I, I just want to update you that it's taking us double the amount of time. <laughs> we're still going to do it, but it, I just want to keep you informed on that because
0: For sure. what
1: happens is you show up, you've done triple amount of the amount of work and now you're ticked off at the people that they asked you to do it in the first place, Right. but they had no idea that it took you that long to do it. Right. And if they would have known that, they might not have asked you to do it or they might have given you more time
0: right and i think part of that is the learning process like especially for a lot of us we're learning we're doing something for the first time we're trying to figure it out we we don't know how long it's going to take but i think it's important to keep people in the loop like hey this is taking twice as long as we thought and just is a data point for next time but i think most things i uh, i estimate it usually takes me half the time that i planned that's how my life goes that's not true. <laughs> well,
1: I was like, "Wow, well, you're." <laughs> yeah. super That's what I thought you and- were going to say.
0: Yeah, it's taking us half the time, so we we got more time for doing extra things. Yeah, that never happens.
1: No, never, never. Um, so,
0: what are the things too that you talk about? So, you taught a breakout at the last, the most recent Philo conference about kind of purpose problems. This idea of like finding your purpose. And I think so many of us that are doing production in the local church, it's so easy to kind of be thinking about the grass being greener at some other church or if I only had this next piece of gear, life would be perfect or if our team were bigger or, you know, on and on and on. Yeah, I just thought it'd be great for us to kind of talk about this idea of finding your purpose and your perspective on it.
1: It's one of my favorite things to talk about with people. Mm -hmm. So thanks for allowing me to be here today to talk about it. But finding your purpose is been something that I have, I think why I like to talk about it is because it's been something that's been a journey for me for so Mm -hmm. long and recognizing along the way that if, if I'm looking for, and it's not just me, I there's, I think all of us grow up thinking that like, there's this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, or there's this one idealistic job or vocation or this you know, this office that's just wait or or a tech booth that's just waiting for us Mm -hmm. to step into it. And then all of our desires, dreams, and everything will, will come, you know, to pass if we can just figure out where that is. And it almost feels like a cool, amazing race. Like we're just, we're just trying to get to the end to figure out if we can get the prize or not. And some people figure it out and some people don't. And, good luck. And that's just not how God intended life to be. Right. Right. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a verse in the Bible that says, um, train up your child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. And a lot of people think that means we'll teach your kid to be a Christian and they will love Jesus the rest of their life and right. they won't depart from it. Well, let's, let's look at that. Is that reality for so many people? No. no. Right. Yeah. Yeah everybody's on their own spiritual journey. But actually what that verse is talking about is figure out the bent that your child was was created with and encourage them. And we're all children of God. So I think God's saying to each of us, like what bent were you created with? And that's why core values is so important to me because uh-huh. each of us have different ones and the way they interact with each other is different and the way they play out in our life is different. And when we really understand what those are, we can start to understand that our purpose is way more about the pursuit than the destination. And you're going to have multiple destinations on your pursuit for for purpose, right? Like how many iterations and purposeful things have you gotten to be a part of Todd?
0: Yeah. I mean like innumerable ones. Yeah. Of ones that I didn't necessarily plan on, but yeah.
1: And I think that's how it is. In fact, a lot of the ones that we, we end up finding so much enjoyment in are ones that we stumbled on right. along the way on the pursuit. But if we would have just been looking for the destination and not taking the steps in the pursuit of that, you would never have stumbled a- along figuring it out. You would have stayed disillusioned with something, you know, that you might not have wanted to be a part of looking for another thing that was just like that
0: right? right. somewhere
1: else Instead of going, hey, I'm, I don't know what's next, but I'm just going to keep going and keep following these promptings. Right. But I have, I have a, a value grid to know, because God gave it to me, who he created me to be. And I know that if I put that up against whatever relationship I am in or whatever opportunity comes my way, and it doesn't line up, I know that I'm not going to be filled up in that. And so I can easily say no to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And move on to the next thing on the on the journey, and, and and learn and find enjoyment there rather than sitting there going, well, if I just moved to Florida or if I just moved, I mean, isn't that the way it is? Everyone yeah. wants to move to wherever <laughs> the coast. I, <laughs> It's so funny. Somebody's like, I really feel like God's calling me to California. And I was like, well, who doesn't feel like God's calling them to California (laughs) when you live in Chicago in February? Yeah. He only calls me to, yeah.
0: Yeah. In February, he only calls me to to California.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So I'm like, yeah, me too. Everyone feels that. But the, the reality is God's gifted each of you in a very specific way. And I truly believe that, that you can find your purpose daily, in what he's called you to, and the destinations will change. And there are some times that you're like, yeah, this this isn't healthy for me anymore. This is eating at my soul, and I need to take um, some measures to plan to shift. Um, yeah, there there's times and seasons for that. There's also times and seasons to dig in and say, what else do I have to learn here? And I think that's, that's the part that s- so many people are continually relearning lessons over and over in different spaces Mm -hmm. because they think the new space will
0: fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that question that you're asking, you know, the couple questions to say, you know, this isn't healthy for me. So maybe I need to move on or what do I need to learn here right now? Like what, what's with what's happening right now? How can I become better yeah, and, and it, it's because maybe, there's
1: always something for us to learn.
0: And it's not necessarily connected to that the that job or that situation, but yeah, how can I become a better human being as a result of this? So then it affects it doesn't matter where you are, um you're you're becoming better.
1: Absolutely. And I think the other thing and technical artists don't don't fault me for <laughs> I don't want to pigeonhole you all at all because I know each person is different, but oftentimes we can segment our lives on purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can just think about work. Right. And you can just think about family when you have to. And you can just think about the things that need to get done at home or, or the adventure that, or the hobbies that you used to have in the moments that you need to. And I think really backing up and understanding your values and understanding how they all work together to create your purpose. Mm-hmm. People have got to get away from thinking purpose equals vocation.
0: Yeah. well, and I love kind of what you said is that, you know, the purpose is more about the journey as opposed to a destination. And uh, it just triggered in my mind way back when I first started in ministry I don't know who said it. I think it was the senior pastor of the church where I was. Uh, He used to say it all the time, which was enjoy the process. And as a young person, I'm just like, whatever, man. And so I usually would sort of make fun of it, but (laughs) it's stuck in my head. (laughs) And I like, I say it to myself all the time. Like, I don't really like this, but okay. How can I enjoy the process of getting, you know, it's not, it's not just about if I kind of shrink this down from my life to like, let's say, uh, a special event or a Christmas or whatever. It's like the point of what we're doing is not just the event itself, it's the like the whole getting there. It's the, how do we achieve this together? That it is about kind of how we treat each other and how we're disciplined along the way. And yeah, so just like a micro version of what we're talking about. But the process matters more than the destination.
1: Right. Well, it does. And I think too, when you're living a life that is freed of the anger and the frustration and the bitterness Mm -hmm. and the over being overworked and all of that, when when you can learn to to free yourself of that, I mean, because oftentimes what's what's happened is we're we're in such a disillusioned state that that everything is supposed to be easy and fun and um not require much effort and it will come to us fast right we we live in a culture that tells us that and those are all lies right everything isn't easy in fact some of the best things are things that you work through and that are hard that you right. appreciate most that that teach you the most and so we've filled ourselves up so much with all of this stuff that we're carrying from destination to destination thinking That we're at one point, we're just going to arrive at one destination and that's going to be where we find our purpose. When God's saying, no, release all of that to me. Mm. You know, I love Hebrews 13, 15 that talks about, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him Mm. so that you may overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And gosh, I'm wondering how many people out there are too full to be
0: filled. Oh, interesting. Yeah, too full too full of the things that we think are important or that we're hanging on to. Yeah. What our perceived purpose, our identity, yeah. hurt feelings, yeah, so many things.
1: Yeah, so if if we're not letting go of those things and have a process of personally letting go of those things so that we can embrace our emptiness because when we embrace our emptiness, Todd, then the holy spirit has room to fill us with the joy and peace that they promise. Right. But there's no room for him to fill us with joy and peace. If we're already filled up with all this other stuff. Yeah. Right. And so once he fills us with the joy and peace, then along the journey, we get to overflow onto other people. And so if, if your life is just about getting the lighting cues done or making sure the slides are finished, if, if you're, Destination, or your ultimate destination um, that feels most enjoyable to you, is making sure that you can get to a church where the senior pastor gives you his notes a week in advance, so you can have the slides done on Wednesday during rehearsal. You might be really disillusioned and sad with life. Maybe you'll find it, but but maybe it, it's not just about the task. Maybe it's about more about the purse people and. Maybe it's more about figuring out how to empty yourself of those things so that you can be filled up to overflow onto other people.
0: Yeah. I am very uncomfortable (laughs) with this conversation. Embrace my emptiness. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, so much of me as a tech person is wrapped up in like perfect execution or I'm responsible for making sure this actually happens. And so letting go of that, I wrote down... perfect execution is a lot of times the destination that that yeah. we're all shooting for. And I mean, just again, on a micro level, I think it's never, that never happens. It never happens. And so,
1: right. So you're, you're, you're constantly putting your, I mean, essentially tech teams, you're, if your goal is that destination and it's perfection and you're always, not achieving that. What's the definition of insanity is what?
0: <laughs> Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Different result. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: so redefine it
0: yeah.
1: because the, the win doesn't have to be perfection. In fact, it shouldn't. I, I yeah, right. Something yeah. I've been leaning into more and more lately is why, why does everything have to be a pass or fail? Hmm. It doesn't. Yeah. In fact, it shouldn't be everything that we do in our life is a learning
0: yeah right. Yeah, I was just going to say that if if something if something doesn't work out, then it's not a fail. It's what what are we going to learn from this to make us better next time? And so yeah, it's it should be about continually learning, not pass or fail.
1: And if you're not failing, if you're not failing, you're not learning, and you're not risking enough. That's what I would right. I would always say too. Like if we're not failing as a team, or we're not figuring something, or I'm not learning something new as a human, Mm. um, gosh, I guess I'm not risking enough.
0: Right. Right. Which also on some level, I mean, the thing we haven't really talked about, which is probably a subject for some other time, which is the culture that you're a part of, like, you know, it might be that the, where you are doesn't, doesn't tolerate failure, um, or at least from your perspective, uh, they don't tolerate. And and so there's, there's probably some conversations to be had there, but I'm totally with you. If you're not, if you're not, trying new things. If you're not experimenting, it means you've sort of, uh, well, I think about it for myself. I've given up on life. If I have stopped learning or trying new things, because I always want to be getting better.
1: Well, and that's where I think too, yes, the, your environment matters a hundred percent. It mm-hmm. does. But is there a way for you to live like what we were just talking about um, with the Romans passage? Is there a way for you to live with joy and peace? Yep. In the midst of something like that, yeah, and I think it goes back to um, those values, yeah, and you holding tight to those. if you if you know who God created you to be and what fuels you most, then the stuff that's coming from the outside is an opinion, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's it's an opinion. Now, do those opinions matter? Do those opinions form what's asked of you, right? But I think the other thing and, probably have to get into this in a different conversation another time is how often we are looking at things in life as have tos.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm way more in, and I'm doing this for myself. Like, I'm like, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'm like, do I, mm-hmm. do I really? Because the reality is all of you who are listening today. You are radically in control of your life. You're radically in control of your life, and unless, like, there is death or destruction mm-hmm. coming by you saying no, you, I mean, you need to embrace the no more. Yeah, and and try it out, and and not just not. I'm not saying just saying no for um, your your job's sake. I'm saying say no to things for for your own life's sake. Like, you get invited to something and you don't want to go don't.
0: Don't go, right. Yeah.
1: Try try not going and see what happens. Oh my gosh.
0: I've been talking about this uh, recently with some folks that uh, way back when I first started, I think I j- was just newly married and my wife was unhappy with how how much I was working. And so she went to talk to the senior pastor to kind of basically read him the riot act, that they were working me too hard and all this stuff. And he graciously listened. And at the end of it, he's like, you know what? No one's asking your husband to work this hard. If he needs to dial it back, he needs to like come up with some boundaries and hold to them. And I think in his terms, like he needs to be a man and, and you know, stand up for what he needs. And it was like a horrible moment in one way because now I'm like, oh, I can't blame anybody else for me working so much. You know, I can't just say, oh, my boss is telling me to work extra hours or whatever. It was on me now i need I need to figure this out and it was it was such a life changing thing early in my life that you know, like no one else is going to take care of this. This is my responsibility, right and I can't just wait for somebody else to figure out what my core values are or what my purpose should be. It's my job
1: and I think too when we and I love that story, and gosh, that would be humbling and <laughs> and something to great to be learned for the rest of your life. But I think so often too, we all try to, I'm sorry, I'm thinking back to your story right now. And I'm like, Oh wait, I'm now, now I'm back in the office with your wife going, Oh my God, (laughs) I can't believe she did that. Um, But no, I I really do think that we, we sit and complain and we sit and try to put blame. And when I say we, I mean, guys, I've and gals, I've done this myself so many Mm. times. And when I say you're radically in in control of your life, if you don't like where you are, you can leave at any point in time, right? At any point in time, you can choose to leave. If you are there, stop complaining. You have made a choice. Yeah. You have made a choice to be there. Nobody is forcing you to be there. So if you're choosing to be there, choose to find the good in what you're in what you're able to do, choose to find the meaningful moments that God's calling you into. And if it gets to be too much, you can choose to find something else. But my my part of that is just as a character, like a your character needs it and those, yeah. those you're leading need it. The other part of it is how much time are you wasting and how much right. energy are you personally wasting being frustrated about something that you're in control of.
0: Yeah, 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 I'm with you on both those things. I, I think I t- I've told people this a bunch that, you know, the, God designed the body of Christ to work a certain way, and one of them was not you complaining all the time. That is not how the body of Christ gets built up. And so if you're going to be there, be there and look for ways to make it better, not just complain about how it should be better.
1: And that doesn't mean that constructive criticism isn't sure. needed. For oh sure. my goodness. Yeah. You need to voice that and you need to do it in a healthy, constructive way. Bring ideas. Bring bring ideas. Yeah.
0: yeah I was going to say, yeah, don't just be a problem pointer outer. Be a problem That's solver. That's great. Yeah. 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 So
1: true, Todd. So true. Cool.
0: Well, I think we should probably have this conversation some more. So thanks for joining us uh, today. And yeah, just appreciate yeah your example. So. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a, a pleasure. And um, all of you listening, I just want you to know, I know the work that goes in, or I know some of the work, I will never know all <laughs> of the work that goes into what you're doing. And you guys are making a difference each and every day. The The tasks that you have that are on your to-do list today that feel like they're too hard or too many, or that they're not going to matter. Yeah, just know that that they are making a difference Mm -hmm. and that ultimately God sees you and he sees your heart and that's what's most important. So do them to the utmost of your ability and overflow. Let the goal of your day today be to overflow onto other people.
0: So good. Thank you. Thank you. It's always so good to talk to Sarah. I loved her line. Maybe we're too full of the wrong things to be filled up with the right things. I mean, how much are we hanging on to that's unnecessary and destructive to our lives, that's holding us back from being filled up with what God really has for us? You know what? I also love the idea that your purpose isn't a destination, but it is the journey. Uh, when I was younger, the church I used to work at, Kensington, the senior pastor there, Steve Anders, used to say, enjoy the process all the time. And it's something that's stuck in my head ever since. And it's just a good thing to remember. It is so helpful to know that how we live our lives each day is the purpose, not some job or some specific relationship. And are we living in the way that God designed each of us to specifically live? You know, at Philo, we're all about these ideas. God made each of us unique for a purpose. And not everyone was meant to be Philo like you and me. And while I used to think that my challenges at church were totally unique to my situation, I soon realized that at my church, those issues were at other churches too. And this is one of those reasons why we offer Philo Coaching. I mean, the chance to learn from others' experiences and apply them to your own situation. Uh, We offer one-on-one coaching. We also offer service evaluation. And we also have our coaching cohorts, which is basically a small group for church technical artists. If you could use some outside guidance, we'd love to help you get to the next level of your leadership through Philo Coaching. So go to philo.org slash coaching for all the information. You can keep up to date with everything Philo by subscribing to this podcast or check out the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at Philo Community and on Twitter at at Philo Conference. Okay, see you next time.